Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everybody and welcome to this Lally Glowdown podcast coming out to you on a Wednesday. Yes, that's because Luis Rubiales and the Spanish FA haven't yet told UEFA that they can't play matches on Monday or Tuesday nights. So we've waited until Spain played both of this week's Euro 2020 qualifiers before starting our discussion. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we have a big debate coming up with Paco Pollitt and Roman de Arquer about the state of the Spain squad. They're going to Euro 2020, but it wasn't a convincing trip. To Scandinavia. His position, Jonsen. Oh, King is there. Can he turn? It's over the bar again from Josh King. Oh, but the referee's pointed to the spot. Norway have themselves a stoppage time. It's King. It's in. And Norway have sealed themselves a point. Late drama. This international break started off for Spain in Oslo as they took on Norway. Following a difficult first half, Spain took the lead right at the beginning of the second 45 minutes through Saúl Niguez, who unleashed a brilliant shot from the edge of the area, although the goalkeeper probably should have done better. Then Spain goalkeeper Kepa could definitely have done better as he conceded a penalty that Josh King converted right in stoppage time. That goal made it a 1-1 scoreline and meant that Spain had to keep waiting for their Euro 2020 ticket as they headed across the border to Sweden. After making the short trip to the Friends Arena, Spain didn't make many friends at all, especially not Danny Ceballos who was getting on the wrong side of everybody. David De Gea was given the start in this game and he did his best to keep Spain in the game with some wonderful saves but even a stunning double stop at the beginning of the second half couldn't stop Marcus Berg from turning the ball in at the third attempt for the Swedes. A defeat would have left Spain waiting until November to secure qualification, but up stepped Rodrigo Moreno to send Spain to Euro 2020 in glorious 
ish style. So let's get to it. Let's bring in Paco Pollitt and Roman de Arquer to discuss this past week of Spanish national team football. Hello Paco, hello Roman. So Spain have made it to the European Championship, so well done to Spain. As a Scottish guy, I shouldn't really be allowed to nitpick, but Spain didn't look very good in either of these two matches, did they? Well, um, in my case, I believe that they didn't, okay? But again, uh, football can be a very tricky and random sport sometimes. I think that the late equaliser against Norway was a bit unfair uh, because then a 1-0 win for Spain was perfect. And again, I think that the late Rodrigo goal against Sweden was also a bit unfair because Spain was absolutely awful um, attacking throughout the game, especially in the second half. So at the end of the day, you got the job done. But I understand the doubts amongst the fans because Spain are indeed able to do much, much better than what we've seen. Yeah, I certainly agree with Paco. I mean, Spain are not a terrifying team as you'd expect from a national side such as uh, Spain. As you can see in other, again, other teams with them, maybe in the Netherlands, Germany, France, which are always dominating their games, whereas Spain isn't dominating those matches. And that's quite a, a problem. If we want to do um, really good in the Euros, we have to start proving now before the Euros come that we're a very important team. And also, I think we're quite lucky to qualify um, already after that last-minute goal. But I think we deserved it because it has to be said that against Norway, um, we had to get the win. And in the end, we were quite unlucky. They had to wait until the Sweden game, that late goal from Rodrigo. Something that really struck me was the way the players celebrated as if they just won the World Cup, uh, all running together. And they'd only really secured qualification for a 2014 tournament. Again, as a Scottish guy, this is my dream. But I don't think France, Germany, England would be celebrating like that. Is that is that fair? Well, I don't think they have uh, been through the development that Spain is suffering in the last uh, few months and, and and the last year overall, because Luis Enrique's um, problems, personal problems with uh, what happened to his daughter and everything, that was very traumatic. And at the end of the day, we're talking about uh, a new team, a new staff. Um, I think that Germany, France, England will celebrate uh, when the time comes around, more or less depending on the circumstances and the way they qualify. But Spain is made up of lots of young players, a new staff, top to bottom, and a very young and up-and-coming head coach. So I see the celebration uh, of somehow a liberation of all of the tension of the last few games because it also means that there will be no pressure at all in upcoming games. They will be used to try new things, okay? And that, at least for now, this means that the main goal has been achieved by this group of players. Yeah, that's a good point you make, especially when you bring up the off-the-field stuff, the turmoil this squad has gone through, this team, and yeah, a lot of young players, so for them, their first qualification for a tournament, and for Robert Moreno, his first qualification for a tournament. We've spoken about him before as a coach. Roman, you made a good point before about how having him from now all the way to the tournament will at least provide some consistency, but is he fundamentally a good enough coach to be leading Spain into a major tournament? 
Well, I think it's a bit soon maybe to answer that question. As I did say, he is the best continuation to uh, Lucho's philosophy because obviously they'd worked together for a long time and he, he knew what the idea was, what the plan was. But he's barely had four games. Um, he hasn't lost any yet, although he has struggled in these last two games. And it also has to be said, it's really difficult when you're picking new players constantly for different games. You're changing the starting eleven all over. So, I mean, I think Roberto is kind of still testing things out, still trying to see which is his... Um, perfect or best 11 towards the Euros. So I think it's kind of more of a test right now for him, although it's important to qualify, of course. And they did celebrate it with a lot of, um, I wouldn't say anger, but with a lot of passion. But it's what I'm saying. Uh, Roberto Moreno still needs a bit more time, I think, to find out if he's really uh, the coach we need, because previous coaches have also struggled with Spain since um, those really good years winning so many titles. We've also spoken about the Spain goalkeepers before, everybody has done, but we have to do so again. This time last week I would have said that Kepa was in the lead, but then he gave away that penalty against Norway, and then David De Gea, given the start against Sweden, performed really well. I don't even know which of his saves was the save of the week, he had some really good saves in that game. This is obviously a good problem for Spain to have, but De Gea or Kepa? Well, in the past, this has been quite a controversy, especially when Iker Casillas was in his last few games as uh, Spain's main uh, goalkeeper. And I believe that this kind of debate isn't good for the team. I think that um, Spain should have definitely a starting uh, goalkeeper who plays almost every single game, as it used to be the case when Iker Casillas was the one chosen to do so, or even Santi Cañizares even, um, Zubizarreta back in the day. In this case, I think that both De Gea and Kepa have their strengths, they have their weaknesses, but at this point, I believe that Kepa should be the chosen one, definitely, because of the experience he's um, getting both in the Premier League and playing with Spain, but also he's younger than De Gea. And also we've seen that, even though I wouldn't like to detract from De Gea's efforts, we've seen that Kepa handles the pressure much, much better than his counterpart. I think that De Gea had his shot at being the starting uh, player at that position, but he wasn't uh, up to the task. Okay, and, and I think that Kepa has inside him that... Uh, cool head and that uh, attitude and that way of um, being able to handle the pressure that makes him, in my opinion, the best choice for Robert Moreno. Well, personally, I don't care very much. I think it's uh, the least of Spain's problems right now because none of them are playing um, way better than the other. It's not like you'll say, whoa, I mean, Kepa's amazing. He should start, definitely. I, I just think they're both like delivering in certain games. Then another game, they're making mistakes, as you mentioned. So, I mean, there's no consistency from either of, of the two. So, I just think whichever you pick is, is going to be a good goalkeeper no matter what. But if I had to pick one, I'd go against Paco on this one. I'd say De Gea because he has the experience it's true he's struggled with the pressure but for example um, in this game against Sweden he had some really good saves and I believe he's a better overall player than Kepa right now I like your idea that you don't really care Roman I love if the, the day before Euro 2020 if Robert Moreno just flips a coin <laughs> one side you've got Kepa one side you've got De Gea and that'll do it um, we'll see uh, who he picks we've still got some more qualifiers to go in November and of course the friendlies in March time so we'll see who ends up winning that starting job 
Against Norway, there were 11 different clubs represented by the 11 different players in the starting lineup. Against Sweden, there were 10 clubs represented. So the club with two players in that Sweden game was Villarreal with Raul Albiol and Gerard Moreno. Paco, if I had told you a month ago that there would be a Spain lineup where the most represented club was Villarreal, would you have believed me? Mm, for sure, I wouldn't have believed you. But again, if we see the way Villarreal has been developing the team in the last five or, or six weeks, I think it's totally deserved. You know, the fact that four of the players were called up by Robert Moreno, uh, Santi Cazorla being one of them, which is one of my, uh, you know, I'm a, a, an absolute fan of him. And, uh, and the fact that Gerard and, and Albiol were starters against uh, Sweden, I think it's a, a good way of, of showing some kind of pre appreciation for Villarreal and the way they have been able to turn around a situation which was very bad last season under uh, Javi Calleja, but again, this year they look absolutely different. And I think Raul Albiol himself has been one of the key differences, not only Gerard scoring, but also Raul Albiol helping to make much stronger the defense uh, from Villarreal and also that has made him, because we know that uh, always uh, players help teams, but teams can also help players. And Albiol wasn't uh, being called up by the Spanish national team when he was playing for Napoli. But now he's in Spain. Uh, Robert Moreno and the staff can look at his performances every single weekend. And in that sense, I think that he made a very smart move last summer. Lots of appreciation for Villarreal and I do have some more Villarreal focused Spain questions for you, as niche as that is, but we're going to take a quick break just now and we'll get stuck into some more Spain debate after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast, coming to you after Spain's 2-1-1 draws in Norway and in Sweden, which proved to be enough to book their qualification for Euro 2020. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and I'm joined by Roman de Arker and Paco Pollock to dissect these matches and to discuss the Spain squad in general. We were just discussing how Spain had more Villarreal players in their squad than those from any other club. Is it though a bit of a sign of the times that Spain have gone from having David Villa, in my opinion, one of the all-time underrated strikers, to having Gerard Moreno up front. Roman, how big of a worry is Spain's number nine position and the question marks over it? Well, contrary to the goalkeeper situation, I think the striker um, topic is one of the biggest problems Spain has right now because along these years, since uh, Villa was our main number nine, we've had so many people, so many players, uh, strikers play up front like Diego Costa, Morata, Gerard now, uh, Rodrigo Moreno, Alcácer, etc, etc, etc. And none of them seem to fit perfectly. But I think um, the reason why they're not fitting is also because we still haven't defined the way we want to play. Because before with David Villa, he was playing at Barcelona, Spain were playing a similar football, we could say, to Barcelona, and he would integrate perfectly. So now I think it's going to be hard for a striker to feel really comfortable in Roberto's uh, system until um, they actually know what they're playing 100% because I think they have to um, clear up some details and work on some more strategy before they actually uh, fit in perfectly. Paco, you mentioned Raul Albiol before. I thought he was quite good in both matches. He actually didn't have too much to do, but what he did, I thought he did well. Could Albiol and Sergio Ramos be the partnership for Spain next summer? The Norway match was the first time they played together since 2015, but they've played together 126 times. That experience has to count for something, no? Well, I think that um, Albiol played much better against Norway than he did against uh, Sweden, even though he was uh, acceptable, obviously, and, and made a decent game. But against um, Norway uh, last uh, week, I think that he actually covered up for many of Sergio Ramos' uh, mistakes. You know, Sergio Ramos was awful against uh, Norway and Albiol was the one with the fire extinguisher, the, the proverbial fire extinguisher, trying to, um, you know, save face for his teammate at the back of the defense and also trying to, you know, he has the experience and he's, he's a veteran and he has improved quite a lot in many areas of his game, even though his speed is not the same one as he used to be when he was 20, 22, 24 years old. But he has many other qualities that make him, I believe at this point, the best possible choice when trying to pair up someone with Sergio Ramos, who we already know, even though I don't believe his form is up to the point Robert Moreno would like to, I think that Sergio Ramos is always going to be a starter because he's more than a player. He's the captain, he's a symbol for the Spanish national team, but um, if we assume that he's going to be one of the uh, players in the lineup, I think that we should pair him with um, Raul Albiol nowadays. Maybe throughout the season his performance level will decrease, maybe other players will be better, but at this point Albiol is the best possible choice. Paco, you mentioned how Albiol got back into the Spain team when he left Napoli and came back into the sort of La Liga limelight. But one player who's at Napoli and who's just so good that he gets called up, even though he's stuck out there in Serie A, is Fabian Ruiz. We only got to see him very briefly in La Liga when he played 50 games in the league for Real Betis before he left for Napoli. I really wish he'd stayed. Roman, how would La Liga be if Fabian had stayed? 
I mean, obviously better because Fabian is, is a fantastic player. I was surprised actually that no other Spanish team signed him when he was on sale or had a really good uh, price tag. So that was pretty unexpected. But, you know, things happen and I guess uh, Napoli was very appealing to Fabian Ruiz. And it reminded me a bit like Ceballos because I wish he would have stayed at Betis a bit longer to keep evolving and showing that football. But it's not a secret anymore how good Fabian is nowadays. I mean, he's proving it in the Italian league. He's playing as a starter for Spain and doing really well. He knows how to move the ball. He's very smart positioning himself. Forward transitions are very good. And he has an excellent distance shot. So, I mean, he's a very complete player you'd love to have in your league, no doubt. Another one for you, Roman. Can you try to explain to me what's going on with Sergio Ramos and the Olympic Games? Could he really play at Euro 2020 and then later that summer also in Japan? Well, uh, technically he could. El Mundo, which is a Spanish newspaper, has revealed that he wants to expand his list of triumphs and get a chance at the Olympics. But I don't know if it's very realistic, taking into account he'll be 34 years old. And if Spain make it far into the Euros, which he'll play for sure, he'd barely have about 10 days, I read, to, to recover and to start the next competition. So I think it's quite hectic and crazy for a 34-year-old guy. And also, he need Madrid's permission to do that, which is quite unlikely. So, I mean, it's cool and it's, it's good that Ramos wants to, wants to win more trophies, more cups, and, and is, is very passionate about about triumphing but it's it's very hard to to make it work i think one to keep an eye on certainly well finally i'm going to ask you both now we've already selected our 23 man squad for la liga lowdown our followers picked their favorite players we made a squad of 23 it's in a whole separate podcast worth listening to we've got experts telling you about each of the players that were included but i'm going to ask each of you guys to name your ideal starting 11 if the tournament were to start tomorrow roman can i come to you first Okay, um, I, as I mentioned before, I'd put De Gea as a goalkeeper. Then my defense would be Navas and Alba as fullbacks. Then uh, center backs would be Ramos and Pau Torres, which is quite surprising. Ooh. He doesn't have much experience, but I think he's a fantastic and talented player who could work really well uh, in Spain. And then my midfield would be um, Rodri, Saul and Fabian. And a bit more forward, we have Ceballos and Rodrigo Moreno on the wings and uh, Alcácer as my striker. Well, in my case, I have several players which are exactly the same as uh, Roman said, but a few changes, okay? And I know that Valencia fans are going to agree with me. I know that several other team fans will think that I don't know absolutely anything about football. But in my case, if the tournament was to start tomorrow, um, I would place Kepa as uh, the main goalkeeper with Navas as the right back and uh, Jose Luis Gaya, who is still injured but will be back at some point as the left back with the uh, defense and uh, the Sergio Ramos as the captain with Albiol right next to him okay Busquets will be a definite starter for me and a midfield with plenty of quality to uh, go alongside him in every single game with Dani Parejo Ceballos and also Saul Niguez and in front Obviously, uh, Rodrigo Moreno, who scored against uh, Sweden. I think he will improve eventually throughout the year. And right next to him, another Valencianista uh, experienced player as Paco Alcácer. 
Oh, you're missing there, uh, Paco, is uh, Ruben Sobrino, and you've got the complete Valencia-esque Spain 11. Um, but no, I like it. I like both of those. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, Ruben Sobrino couldn't be picked at this point. But who knows? He might start scoring tomorrow 20, 30 goals, and we'll be talking about another completely different scenario next summer. You never know. The new Messi, yes. Ex- <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks to Paco and thanks to Roman. Some interesting thoughts there, and we hope to hear all of our listener thoughts too on Twitter. Get in touch tell us who's right tell us who's wrong what do you agree with in those 11s let us know and of course be sure to check out that 23 man La Liga Lowdown Spain squad podcast too we've still got some more Spain chat for you in this podcast the under 21s were in action too as they defeated Montenegro 2-0 in Montenegro Aitor Bunuel and Mark Cucurella got the goals the big moment of the game though the one that all the Spanish media were waiting for was the under-21's debut of Ansu Fati. In the 80th minute, the 16-year-old came on to become the second youngest player ever to play for Spain's under-21s after Bojan. He almost scored two, but what mattered was that Spain won and, for Barcelona, that he'll be returning back to Catalonia and not heading off to the under-17's World Cup. Yes, the under-17's World Cup is on the horizon. It'll run from October 26th November 17th in Brazil. To tell us a bit more about this tournament and its history, let's catch up with Matt Clark. Matt, can you start off by telling us a little bit about the history of the Under-17s World Cup and Spain's record in it? Spain have never actually won the Under-17 World Cup, despite featuring in it nine times. They have been close though, very close, reaching the final on four occasions only to be beaten at the very final hurdle. Their first final was in 1991 in Italy. The young Spaniards had beaten Germany and Argentina en route to the final, but could not overcome Ghana in Florence, losing 1-0. They had to wait 12 years for another final and another chance to lift the trophy. The squad that went to Finland in 2003 included David Silva and Cesc Fabregas, and again beat tough opposition including Portugal and Argentina, but they could not get past Brazil in the final, losing 1-0. Another final came around four years later in South Korea, and this crop included Boyan, Asiari Yaramendi, Nacho, and a 16-year-old David De Gea. Spain topped their group, but were tested to their limits in the knockout stage, needing penalties to see off France and extra time to beat Ghana. The final, though, was once again a step too far, but they took Nigeria all the way to penalties after a stalemate. Unfortunately, Spain missed all three of their spot kicks and saw another opportunity go begging. They seemed certain to win the tournament two years ago in India, reaching the final with relative ease and racing into a 2-0 first half lead against England as Sergio Gomez scored their first goals in finals. Sadly, this was as good as it got, as England got one back before the break and then smashed in four second half strikes to crush the young Spaniards. Four finals, four defeats. Maybe 2019 will be their year. That's what they're hoping that it'll be fifth time lucky this year in Brazil. Players born between 1st of January 2002 and 31st December 2004 are eligible to compete in Spain. have some really, really exciting players born during this time. Which ones stand out for you? There are a few players definitely worth keeping an eye on. Pedri is an attacking midfielder playing at Las Palmas in Segunda División, but he will be joining Barcelona in the summer for 5 million euros. Pedri has been described by boss Pepe Mel as scandalously good. He has already got three goals and three assists in 10 games for Las Palmas so far this season, and he's clearly a versatile and productive player. Pedri is widely being tipped to be a strong contender for player of the tournament. 
Another attacker to look out for is Pablo Moreno. He plays his football in the youth setup of Juventus, having moved to Turin from Barcelona in 2018 after scoring prolifically there. It's generally encouraging to see players taking a move abroad, as it shows they're confident and keen to take the steps required to play more football. Moreno could be one of the main weapons of Spain's attack. At the back, Javi Lopez of Alaves and Alvaro Carrillo of Real Madrid are likely to feature. Lopez has attracted the attention of Juventus in the past, and both he and Carrillo have had tournament experience from the Euros in May. Ansu Fati isn't in that squad, even though he's perfectly eligible to be there. Instead, he's with the under-21s. Can you explain a bit about why he isn't going with the under-17s in the end? You're spot on, Ewan, when you say he is eligible to be selected for the national team. It's been a while to get to this point, but Spain were clearly keen to tie him down. Barcelona were reticent to allow this to happen so quickly, as they didn't want to lose him for the duration of the Under-17 World Cup, where he could miss up to seven games. Despite Barca's opposition, the paperwork and necessary documentation were fast-tracked and whisked away to be ratified. When the Under-17 squad for the World Cup was announced, Ansu Fati was omitted. Sporting director Francis Hernandez and coach David Gordo explained this was because Ansu Fati would be playing in higher categories. Higher categories like the under-21s and maybe as high as the classical in a couple of weeks' time. We'll soon see if he does feature in that one. Well, thanks to Matt for that insight and also thanks to Paco Pollock and Roman de Arquer for breaking down the two results of the senior Spanish side. And thank you for listening along with us. Club football is almost back. So we'll be back to normal next week. That means a La Liga weekend recap on Monday and a midweek podcast on the Thursday. I'm looking forward to it and I hope you are too. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.